You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous, the podcast about Broadway flops, scandals, and new work. I'm your host, Ebony Vines. And I'm your host, Pamela Shandro. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Theater Geeks Anonymous podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast listening apps. Thank you. Welcome, friends, uh, to another, like, regular episode yeah. of theater geeks anonymous no no intermission well i mean we will get an intermission event. i mean listen yeah. you've had like two in a row so yeah so now you get a real you get a real <laughs> episode um i am really excited because one of my friends got us tickets to see merrily we roll along <gasps> yeah. so excited that is exciting when are you going <laughs> november awesome like like right before i think it's the weekend before i leave for thanksgiving because i'm leaving okay. really early this year because yeah. also my sister and i are going to england <laughs> she she and i fly in uh we arrive on the third in the morning of december okay. and then she's there till the 10th okay okay mm-hmm. nice yeah yeah, so it's a good a good chunk of time, and Definitely. we'll be like three days, three and a half days in London, okay. and like four days in the Cotswolds. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know. All right, let's get to the let's the get to the, the story. Yeah. This week it's Pamela's show, so yeah. I'm very excited <laughs> to hear about this one. Sounds like a freaking train wreck. So. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm very yeah. excited to hear about this hot mess. I think you should be. There is a lot. And I I should have given myself more time to do research and write this because there's so much more that I think I probably could have included in this. But I also kind of like the idea that I didn't include it all because it gives you, the audience, mm-hmm. an opportunity to kind of fall down your own rabbit holes if you so choose. And I think that you should because it is it is wild. Uh, so today's episode is two by two, the musical. Um, my sources for this one are Wikipedia, obviously that's my favorite, but I also found a lot of information on rogersandhammerstein.com and also a website called stageagent.com where I found a lot more in-depth, um, synopsis about the show. So two by two is a Broadway musical with book by Peter Stone, lyrics by Martin Sharnan, Grandpa Marty. <laughs> and uh, music by Richard Rogers. It is based on Clifford Odette's play, The Flowering Peach, and it tells the story of Noah's preparations for the Great Flood and its aftermath. 
directed by Joe Layton, and the production opened on November 10th, 1970 at the Imperial Theater, where it ran for 10 months. So this oh. is actually a little bit longer than yeah. what we normally do, but I definitely think it, it fits within our category of shows as well, and we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> the opening night cast included Danny Kay, Marilyn Cooper, Joan Copeland, Harry Goes, Madeline Kahn, Michael Carm, Trisha O'Neill, and Walter Willison. I am going to start by going into detail on these creatives. So starting mm -hmm. with Clifford Odets. Mm -hmm. He was born July 18th, 1906, died August 14th, 1963. He was an American playwright, screenwriter, and actor. From January 1935, Odette's socially relevant dramas were extremely influential, particularly, uh, excuse me, for, particularly for the remainder of the Great Depression. His works inspired the next several generations of playwrights, including Arthur Miller, Patty Chayefsky, Neil Simon, and David Mamet. The Flowering Peach, which is what Two by Two is based on, is a 1954 dramatic play by American playwright Clifford Odets with music by Alan Hoveness. And please forgive me, last names in this are a little bit obscure, so I may be mispronouncing some of them. The plot is a modern take on the Bible stories of Noah and Noah's Ark. It was the last original play by Odets produced in his lifetime. Now we're going to skip to the creative team for Two by Two, the musical, starting with Peter Stone. Ah! I just went to the bottom. Don't use your arrows, Pamela. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I always do this. Okay. Peter Stone, from, uh, born February 27th, 1930, and he lived until April 26, 2003, was an American screenwriter and playwright. Stone is perhaps best remembered by the general public for the screenplays he wrote or co-wrote in the mid-1960s, which included Charade, which was a movie that I watched with Audrey Hepburn and, oh, shoot, what's his name? Oh, that's um, Cary Grant. Cary Grant, thank you. I was like, mm -hmm. it stars with a C. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> um, Father Goose in 1964 and Mirage in 1965. Grandpa Marty, Martin Sharnan, uh, November 24th, 1934 through July 6, 2019, was an American lyricist and writer and theater director. Sharnan's best known work, of course, is Annie the Musical, which he was the conceiver, director, and lyricist for. Then we skip to Richard Charles Rogers. That's an obscure guy that you might never have heard of. You might never <laughs> have heard of Richard Rogers. He's new. <laughs> Born in 1902, died in 1979, but he was an American composer who worked primarily in musical theater. With 43 Broadway musicals and over 900 songs to his credit, Rogers was one of the most well-known American composers of the 20th century, and his compositions had a significant influence on popular music at the time. Rogers is known for his songwriting partnerships, first with lyricist Lorenz Hart, and then with Oscar Hammerstein II. The director of Two by Two was Joe Layton. He began his career as a dancer in Wonderful Town in 1953. However, from the start, his primary interest was in musical staging. In addition to his many legitimate theater credits, uh, he conceived and directed Broadway concerts for Bette Midler, Diana Ross, Cher, Harry Connick Jr. He choreographed the Broadway version of The Sound of Music with Mary Martin. Um, Joe Layton won the Tony Award for Best Choreography for No Strings in 1962 and George M. in 1968. 
Leighton broke into films as the dance director for Thoroughly Modern Millie in 1967, and he also executive produced the first film version of Annie in 1982. Danny Kay. <clears throat> <laughs> Born 1911, died 1987, was an American actor, comedian, singer, and dancer. His performances featured physical comedy, uh, idiosyncratic pantomimes, and rapid-fire novelty songs. Kay starred in 17 films, notably Wonder Man, The Kid from Brooklyn, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, The Inspector General, which I had a VHS of, Hans Christian (laughs) Andersen, and also White Christmas, and oh, and The Court Jester, which I also had. A VHS of. He, of course, starred in Two by Two and a whole bunch more, including awards and stuff. But I'll let you guys do a little more research on him if you'd like to. <laughs> so, the reason I took the time to mention all of these creatives that were involved is because each one of them individually had a huge amount of success before this particular show and also after. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to get into the plot synopsis. Now, Wikipedia had very little, but I was able to find more on stageagent.com. So bear with me here. Mm -hmm. On Wikipedia, it basically only says, on his 600th birthday, Noah receives a message from God warning him about the impending flood. He's directed to save two of each animal and to build an ark for them. Noah's wife and family have their doubts and even make fun of him as he plans to build the ark. But when the animals start to appear en masse, uh, they, they start to help. Um... One of the things I did think was quite of interesting uh, is that within the Wikipedia plot synopsis, it says, quote, the story dealt with Noah and the flood. And though written in 1954, it covered such contemporary themes as the generation gap, ecology, and there was even a parallel between the flood and the atom bomb that was written wow. by Richard Rogers, although it doesn't credit where it was written. So Mm -hmm. I'm sorry about that, but that was credited to Richard Rogers. And I did think that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to point that out. Now to the real synopsis, the action takes place before, during, and after the flood in and around Noah's home on the ark and its hot Mount Ararat. Start by imagining Noah as your average 600-year-old working-class guy from the Bronx, somehow transported back to the days of Genesis. He has a loving wife, three sons, two daughters-in-law, and a chicken farm. One day, God pays a visit, informs him that the world is going to be destroyed, and gives uh, gives him the job of saving two of every living species, along with his own family. Noah reacts as many of us would. Why me? Noah calls his family together, his long-suffering wife, Esther, his eldest son, Shem, and his wife, Leah. They're the materialistic ones. Successful in the olive business, and his second son, Ham, the prodigal one who gambles and neglects his wife, Rachel, and the youngest son, Japheth, the idealistic one, an angry young man who still lives at home. When Noah explains that God has told him to do, uh, what to do, they too react as many of us would. Put him away. <laughs> Noah can't convince them. It takes the intervention of God with the aid of a Gitka, which is a magical Old Testament creature that would sing in the presence of God. Uh, it... So a Gitka, um, as explained to me through Wikipedia, was a a character, it wasn't a character, it was like a like creature that was created within the world of Clifford Odette's play, The Flowering Peach. Um, so it's not actually a thing, but it was meant to convey to the family that God was real and he was actually telling them the right thing. Um, 
So uh, Noah and the Gitka win over the family with a duet, uh, with the Gitka song. As pairs of animals begin to gather around them, Noah and his family follow God's instructions in building a boat from gopher wood. But Japheth is outraged at the supreme being. How can he destroy the entire world? Doesn't he like something somewhere? The construction continues, but very soon religious faith and engineering conflict. Noah finds no mention in God's plans of a rudder with which to steer the boat. Japheth also, the practical one and the family engineer, can't believe God intends them to simply drift. An argument ensues between, let's see, sorry, between father and his sons. You have got to have a rubber, rudder on the ark. That's the song name. When I say those things, those are song titles. <laughs> it's just not written in a way that like lets me tell you until I've already said it. <laughs> but Noah wins. But there are more problems. Japheth can't board the ark without a mate. There are no obvious candidates. And uh, of the existing marriages, at least one, Ham's and Rachel's, is in trouble. As she confides to her mother-in-law, something doesn't happen. That's the song. Noah's attempts to lead his family only seem to fail. Japheth says he would rather stay behind and drown. And as a final protest against a God who, oh, as a final protest against a God who would destroy his own creation. With the ark not yet complete, Japheth walks out, leaving Noah to finish the job. But as Esther observes, Noah is getting on. He's an old man. God, observing the crisis, makes a miracle. And Noah reappears 510 years younger. <laughs> 90 again. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry. Japheth returns out of loyalty, but is taken aback by the change in his father, who has now acquired uh, an unseemly interest in matters sexual. I don't know why they have to do that in musicals. It but was of written they by do. all dudes. It's true. Oh my God. I have to. Okay. So, like, side note, I was reading <laughs> uh, one of the books that we have to see if I've got mm -hmm. any information on two by two. And although I didn't find any information on two by two, I started kind of looking through the pictures in this book. The book is called The Broadway Musical uh, by Rosenberg and Harbor. Mm -hmm. um, but there's like a bunch of black and white photos within this. And in almost every one of these photos is just a collection of white men. Mm -hmm. It's all just white men. And it just made me giggle a little bit because mm -hmm. not a lot has changed. Although hopefully we are on the other side of that because we, there is a, a bit more diversity certainly now than there yeah. was back in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, Noah, to his credit, more readily accepts the change in Japheth, who has brought home a woman named Goldie. Japheth, it seems, had gone to town to warn his countrymen of their impending doom, which only served to enrage them, and he would have died prior to the flood had not Goldie saved his life. On the other hand, she's not of our persuasion, quote-unquote. She's a golden girl from the temple, nearby temple of the Golden Ram. But Noah, at least, is glad to see her. With the storm approaching, she joins the family on the now-completed ark, but there's another complication. Japheth's real reason for running off. We learn um, that he was secretly in love with Rachel, his brother's wife. Uh, alone with her for a moment, he confesses and then tries to run away. He tries to run away again, but Noah knocks him out and has him carried aboard. But the rains are falling and they start this and then they're going to start the second act. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is really poorly written, but you get the you get the gist. Right. <laughs> Noah and his family 
after or at the beginning of the second act, Noah and his family emerge after 40 day downpour to see a vast ocean and a sunny day and they make plans for the future. Japheth remains unreconciled, but Noah's attention is now directed to his wife who feels ill and needs reassurance from her now much younger husband. Elsewhere on the ship, we see that Ham has become infatuated with Goldie in her unsuccessful defense against his advances, reminds him about her sacred untouchable status as a temple girl. A relationship in a jumble, uh, family watches the rudderless art collide with floating debris from the old world. Again, Japheth wants to install a rudder, but Noah refuses because Papa knows best. Immediately, the ark hits something and begins to sink. Japheth takes charge while Noah goes off to get drunk. Japheth and Rachel now Where? understand. Yeah, I don't know. The, the other side of the ark. <laughs> I know. There's Listen like to... a bar on the. I don't. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> I know. It's a little ridiculous, but mm-hmm. that's musical theater for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Japheth and Rachel now understand that they can't live without each other. Uh, in a song called I Do Not Know a Day I Did Not Love You. Across the boat, <laughs> across the boat. So maybe there is a bar across the boat. Um, Shem and Leah are conversely looking for reasons to stay together, which they decide to do grudgingly. <laughs> when Noah returns as an old man again, he finds the family in turmoil. Ham wants to divorce Rachel and marry Goldie. Japheth and Rachel want to marry. Esther is on their side, but Esther is dying. Noah resists, but as Esther expires in his arms, he finally agrees. Hey, girly, is that song. It's actually a really beautiful song. Hmm. With the earth dry once more, Noah must now say goodbye to his children. Each couple goes off in a direction or in a different direction. Each wife now big with child. His work is completed, but Noah is not content. He demands that God give him a sign, a promise not to destroy the world again. Noah offers that God give... Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Noah offers God a deal. If God will preserve the earth, people will remember his name. God signal, uh, signals agreement and a rainbow appears as the curtain falls. Um, I do want to actually list off the names because I didn't really go through them. But um, and there is a cast recording as well from oh, that production. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was um, actually recorded about five days into their Broadway run. Oh, so, yeah. Um, Act one has songs called Why Me? Put him away. The Gitka song, something somewhere. You have got to have a rudder on the ark. Something doesn't happen. An old man, ninety again, two by two. I do not know a day I did not love you. And something somewhere reprise. Act two has songs called When It Dries, Two by Two Reprise. You, the Golden Ram. Papa knows best. I do not know a day I did not love you. Reprise. As far as I'm concerned, Hey Girly and the Covenant. Uh, Also, it's interesting to be listed here. The songs, Everything That's Gonna Be Has Been, Getting Married to a Person, The Brother Department, The Death of Me, and Forty Nights were cut from the show prior to its Broadway opening. The latter song was cut because Danny Kaye decreed that no one in the show would have a funnier song than he. The song has been restored to many goes, of man. the more recent revivals. Seriously, like never meet your idol, right? That's what they say. I'm like this. I didn't meet him, but like I read this about him. <laughs> I know. 
<clears throat> so reviews were mixed, but positive for the score and cast. A couple months into the run, KBK bored and began to improvise on a nightly basis. He ad-libbed shtick and comic asides to the audience. Improvising a dance one night to impress Dick Cavett in the audience, he slipped and tore a tendon in his leg. Kay continued with the show, appearing each performance on crutches as the young 90-year-old Noah and as Noah at 600 in a wheelchair. He appeared with his leg in a cast with and either rode around the stage in a wheelchair, in which he sometimes would try to run down the other actors, or hobbled around the stage on a crutch, which he used to goose the girls, wrote Rogers in his autobiography, Musical Stages. In addition, he began improvising with his own lines and singing in the wrong tempos. He even made a curtain speech after the performances in which he said, I'm glad you're here, but I'm glad the authors aren't. Apparently, there was a certain curiosity value to all of this because people actually went to see Two by Two because of Danny's one by one vaudeville act. Others, of course, were appalled and expressed their irritation in letters to the New York Times. The show is frequently performed by community theater and church groups, and there have been a few noteworthy revivals over the years. Milton Berle headed a production at the St. Louis Municipal Opera, the Muni, in 1971. Shelley Berman headed the show's national touring company in 72 and 73, co-starring Tina Fig, I believe, or Eig, Elg. I'm sorry, I can't read my own typing. <laughs> As Esther, wow, that'll tell you how old I am. <laughs> More recently, Tom Bosley sang Noah's role for a soundtrack slated for a canceled 2001 U.S. national tour of the show. Jason Alexander has been seen in the role in Los Angeles um, reprise productions, as well mm. as the New York uh, York Theater musicals in Mufti production, directed by Martin Charnin. Walter Willison, who was the original Japheth, has also appeared as Noah in 2002 Richard Rogers' Centennial Concert for the Jewish Repertory Theater Off-Broadway, which he also directed, and in regional productions of the show in recent years. In 2004, Martin Sharnan directed the world premiere of the revised version of 2 by 2 at the Cumberland County Playhouse in Crossville, Tennessee. In creating the new version of 2 by 2 Sharnan stated that I'm not going to restore a concept that I had that was originally negated by Danny Kaye, mm -hmm, which I mm -hmm. actually really respect. Yeah. The cast included Ruby and Miles as Leah, Aww. Holly O'Brien as Goldie, and Alan Baker as Noah. I know, I love that. I didn't mm -hmm. actually realize that that existed at all. Mm -hmm. In 2021, Walter Wilson, who I stated before as the original Japheth, directed the show's semi-centennial 2x2, which is the 50th anniversary virtual concert, which starred Willison as Noah, Karen Ziemba as Esther, and the show premiered on New Year's Day and benefited the Actors Fund. The show also starred Nikita Burstein as Japheth, Frank Calamaro as Shem, Marcy Degange Manfredi as Leah, Nkenge as Goldie, Michael Natardinato, which I know him. I did a show when he was a little boy. Aww. So that's another side note. And I just read that. I was like, what? Michael <laughs> Natardinato as Pam, Sophia Tsugros as Rachel. So, okay. After having all of that information shoved in your face, I'll give you a second to kind of process it. <laughs> and then I'm going to talk about myself. <laughs> so back in like, two th uh, no, I'm like 1999, 2000. I'm not exactly sure when. I know it was just 
high school and before I moved to Chicago in 2003. So somewhere in there. I was in a production of Two by Two at a dinner theater in Peoria, Illinois that does not exist anymore. I played Rachel. She was married to the middle son Ham, but it was not a love match. So back in 1999, 2000, it was definitely after I graduated in 99, before I moved to Chicago in 2003. So like somewhere in that. I was in a production of Two by Two at a dinner theater in Peoria, Illinois that does not exist anymore. <laughs> I played Rachel. Um, just to kind of remind you, she was married to the middle son, Ham, and it was not a love match. And in fact, she and Japheth loved each other, and Ham happened to be infatuated with Japheth's last-minute wife, Goldie. So it all worked out in the end. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I remember having a conversation with the man playing Noah, and I can't recall his name, so I feel terrible about that, but I, this guy was amazing. At the end of the show, spoilers, mm -hmm. Noah is kind of done. He's like accepted that he's going to die alone. Esther's already died. Um, his children are all dispersing to the four winds. He has this heartfelt moment with Japheth where forgiveness and reconciliation is given. Mm -hmm. And the show ends, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Danny Kay had his issues. And one of them was that he did not like to be outshined. So he and the original Japheth had some animosity because the character of Japheth is the young love interest and therefore popular with audiences. Well, apparently, one night, Danny Kaye and Walter Willison were having their final scene together. And instead of ending the scene by Noah forgiving Japheth, Danny Kaye chose to die early, leaving the entire show without a resolution. Oh, man. Okay, so like that's what I remember from the production that I did back 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 23 he, years ago. He, the guy who played Noah told you the story? Yes. Now, I, I wish that I had asked him more questions, like where he had heard it and all that stuff. Yeah. But like back then too, like this was, you know, yes, the internet had existed, but like stories like that were told from person to person right. through the theater scene. So like you just... You didn't know where they originated. You didn't know, but like they worked. I mean, you knew that they were true. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. it, it very well could be that he read Richard Rogers' uh, autobiography, right. which is after doing all of this research is like one of those books that I might just have to read because mm -hmm. it seems like it's going to have a lot of information in there, not just about two by two, but about like all of the shows that that mm -hmm. man did. So anyway, that would be really cool to find out. <laughs> anyway, so back to Wiki. <laughs> Kay's lack of professionalism and Roger's public grousing about the liberties that he took with the script allegedly ruined Kay's chances for a Tony Award nomination. Mm. Willison, however, was nominated for a Tony Award. He did not win, um, but he was nominated for Best Featured Actor in a Musical, and he and Trisha O'Neill, who played Rachel, received Theater World Awards for their performances. Despite mixed reviews from critics, the production ran a respectable 343 performances, earning back its investment and turning a profit. Okay. Though Clive Barnes of the New York Times wrote, the show seems so long that at times you feel it ought to be called three by three. William Glover of the Associated Press called it one of Roger's finest musicals. And Toby, I believe Morrison, a variety said two by two has the sort of music only Rogers can write. And in Danny Kay, one of the great stars of his time uh, and added it's the best musical, or at least has the best music. 
in some time and maybe for some time to come. It really does have beautiful music. Mm -hmm. The score is really lovely. And also funny, it's got some some numbers in there like you have to put a rudder on the arc. It's a really fun, campy kind of song. Mm-hmm. So it does have some real gems in there. And I think, I don't know, I mean, my my opinion is that had it not been hijacked, the show may have had a bigger impact than it did. But because of the way that it had kind of just been taken over by its one leading man, mm-hmm nobody really remembers the story itself anymore right they really only remember that Danny Kay was in it and the hijinks that he ensued I hate that I know I know same I I know that I've probably told you the story before when I was riding in the car with my mom I might have been like 10 or 11 years old and I had gotten the court jester for Christmas that year starring Danny Kay and I remember and also singing in the rain that year as well, VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember sitting in the car with my mom and I said, when I get older, I want to marry Danny Kay. And she said, oh, Pamela, you know, I think he's probably in his 80s if he hasn't already passed away. And then I said, oh, okay, well, then I'll marry Donald O'Connor. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was basically the same age. So like my, I love Danny Kay. Now yeah. also he was closeted gay his entire life because at the time it was never okay to be gay, especially if you were in the theater and film world, right? Mm -hmm. And so we know a lot more about him now, but I kind of understand that possibly he was a raging narcissist. And I say possibly because I am not a doctor. So I could (laughs) not, I would never be able to say that for certain. Mm -hmm. But you kind of just look at these anecdotes that are written about him post two by two, and it really screams that he was all about himself and nobody else and he surrounded himself with people that were yes men he married a woman to obscure the fact that he was homosexual but also because she was willing to basically do whatever he wanted for her to do for him to further his career like there's not really I think any relationships that that man had that didn't end either really poorly or with them giving over their entire lives to help him and his career and it's sad it's sad to see that it's sad to kind of know that this person that you idolized as a kid and used to watch these his movies and like absolutely fell in love with him to find out who he was as an actual human being is a little it's disappointing right what makes me furious Mm -hmm. is that when you are doing a show you look in the face of every other actor on that stage with you and you make this silent acknowledgement and contract with that person that you're going to be there for them and that they're going to be there for you and that you're going to tell the story to the best of your ability and you're going to do the show safely and also well, right? Mm -hmm. To the best of your ability. Every night you get on that stage, you're going to give whatever your 100% is that day, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that Danny Kaye did some of these things in spite of and also to his fellow cast members makes me livid. Yeah. Livid. They'd had no say in it. Mm -hmm. And because he was this star, 
he could get away with whatever he wanted to at mm. the expense of these real life human beings that were just trying to do their jobs well and they couldn't do them well it's the worst feeling in the world when you lose control mm -hmm. when you're on stage you have no and that I mean there's there are a lot of reasons why you would feel that way right you would feel if you didn't have a strong enough director sometimes you can feel that way mm -hmm. if you're put in a position where you don't trust the people that are on stage with you you can feel that way like it's not putting on plays is not just fun yay oh let's put on a show it's not always like that right you there are a lot of things that come to to fruition in order to make that show come alive right but a lot of them require a lot of trust right a lot of trust in everyone that has their hand in it and if one of those people drops the ball in any way it can be mildly disappointing to absolutely devastating and in right. this case I feel like it was absolutely devastating right and it goes back to that story that was told to me back in 2000 where he not only ruins the show for the audience because now it's not the same show that it was yeah and he and he also failed to tell the story right but he also puts his fellow cast member in a position on stage to fail to absolutely fail yeah and there's no recourse from that like it's oh it's just an awful feeling awful and he did it on purpose simply because he is this narcissist yeah it's awful those are my I'm two cents I'm sorry especially because <laughs> the other time we did Donald O'Connor and that he was a disappointment mm -hmm. <laughs> when we did um the sequel to to Bye Bye Birdie yeah I have a feeling Mm -hmm. that a lot of those men mm -hmm. that were products of MGM Paramount, like uh, of that kind of um, studio system. Studio, yeah. Studio system. Thank you. Those, because not the women, women were treated like absolute second-class citizens mm -hmm. in that, in that way. Let's look at Judy Garland as the perfect example. Right. But like the men that came out of that studio um, system actually were just, either started out as horrible human beings and remained that way, but to the hundredth degree, or if they started out good, they didn't stay that way for long. Because mm -hmm. like you, you, if you kind of look at it at a, at a psych psychiatry kind of bend or psychology of it, if you're told yes, your entire life and also protected from anyone that would say anything about you that isn't completely 100% positive mm -hmm. you're not going to be a good human being right it's it's impossible mm -hmm. you are set up for failure and we actually it's a lot in the film industry not even just within like the MGM Paramount like 1940s to 1960s um, studio system but like you see it in like a lot of child actors yeah or child yeah. performers in a, in a way because they're told from the time that they're they start in this world, how wonderful they are and mm -hmm. how, you know, they can get away with anything. And then suddenly life actually hits and they're, <laughs> the breath is taken out of them because they suddenly discover, oh, wait, the world doesn't revolve around me. I don't understand. <laughs> like, it's such a weird, it is such a weird system. Yeah. What do you think? I, I mean... <laughs> I just I, I agree with everything you're saying and it's just like 
I've just been thinking so much about collaboration when it comes to artistic um, spaces and how we bring all of our junk into that space and all of the things that we haven't dealt with and that we haven't, um, you know, done therapy about or, you know, everything that we are just like the baggage and the trash we bring and how that not dealing with those things so often affects what you make creatively and how well it's made and how well it does. And, and, um, you know, back then I think it's still a problem now with people not dealing with their, um, mental health. And I, I feel for him in a way that I feel that like, because he was closeted and because Mm -hmm. he was having to hide who he really was, that, it's possible that could have made him feel like he was constantly putting on a facade anyway. Yeah. And so if you constantly feel like you're, you have to pretend to be somebody else, then you're just like, well, I might as well be, you know, loved for this person I'm pretending to be. And if I'm at least not getting validation or love that way, um, then it's like, it's it's hard to live with yourself in this society that just won't let you be who you are. So, yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, that was 71. So by that point, mm. he was probably seeing other performance up and coming who yeah. were 100% themselves mm-hmm. and completely genuine. And he, I can, I can imagine that it must've been incredibly frustrating to see that other people are able to be themselves, but he still wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, bless. Yeah. Let's all go to therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all work on ourselves mm-hmm. and then come back to the table. It is, I mean, I will say that all of those nasty little bits and pieces that you pick up along your life yeah. are, are what make us unique and are mm-hmm. what make us interesting and what we... And in that, what we bring to the table then can also be very unique and interesting. But when those things encroach on other people, mm-hmm. that's when it's like, okay, nice. I need to work on that. There's not, it's not saying that you're going to like completely change and become like this homogenous human being and completely boring because nothing's ever happened to you. It just means that you're not going to you're not going to throw it at someone. You're not going to project yourself on someone else right, right. and make them feel a certain way. Like we can all be in the same room together and we can all collaborate and cohabitate and be amazing human beings to each other. And we can also, when we have wronged another person, because it will happen in your lifetime, mm-hmm. we can acknowledge that we have wronged that other human being and then take accountability for That's what right. we just said and did. Right. That- that's the healthy version of because everybody has gone through things like to your point about us all picking up these bits and pieces that make us who we are. But, you know, the process of dealing with those things means that you acknowledge that though you've picked up those bits and pieces and you have control over how you react and how you interact with mm-hmm. those experiences and how you then you they how they manifest in you as a human being and how you treat yourself and others exactly right yep 
So be kind. That's right. Be kind. Uh, don't be a jerk. <laughs> and go to therapy. That's our yeah. takeaway for today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you for listening. For you to do tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. This was fun. (laughs) See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Theater Geeks Anonymous. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGABWAY and on Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous. And if you want to tell us how much you love us or you have a great story about one of the shows we've talked about, Drop us a note at TGABWAY at gmail.com. Until Until next time, time, geeks. geeks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.